guys. Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Happy Hour. I'm Ashley. It's Mallory here. It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. Mm, like two months. Has it been that long? No. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. Our last episode was released on April 12th. Okay, so yeah. almost. That's right. It was released on your birthday. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, we've been away for a little while. Some uh, traveling and general just yeah reset recharge type <laughs> been a busy few months for sure yeah I went to Romania with my family my husband and I were in a wedding and that was really interesting and fun I was very nervous about the flights there because it was like an 18 hour trip in total but my son did really well on the trip he's That's three awesome. and he slept most of the time so that was good but I'm trying to think of anything of note about the trip. They do have peanut butter there. Oh, Remember? so that was a lie? <laughs> yeah. My husband lied to me and said there was no peanut butter there, so we brought some. <laughs> they have peanut butter. Anyway. So you did end up actually just bringing peanut butter? To yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. But it was great to see our family, and being in the wedding was really interesting. It was an extremely traditional Romanian wedding, which it took place in a small village, and it's hard to explain. My husband and I were the godparents, which is called the Nash in Romanian. So basically, we're, we basically guide the couple in their relationship and life stuff. But they picked us because it's like a family tradition in my husband's family. They're family friends. Anyway, we were in their wedding, and there was a lot of cool traditions and fun stuff. Is there anything like super weird, like a weird tradition that they did? You were like, why? Yeah, so it was after the courthouse wedding. So they had the courthouse wedding, and then we went back to the bride's family's house. And there was one part where the godmother and the mother of the bride and the mother of the groom, we gather around the bride, and we pin her veil on, which wasn't weird. That was, you know, I think that's a tradition somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) But then they handed, like, this big, like, loaf of sticky bread, and we were supposed to, like, rotate it between us over the bride's head. Oh, my God. And every time we made a rotation, we'd pick some off and give it to someone in the audience. Yeah. And I I don't even know what it means, but I did it. Interesting. (laughs) How how old are the couple? Because it seems weird that you're, like, the, quote, godparents or whatever. Yeah. They are probably, like, maybe 30. Oh, wow. So 25 or something like that. That much younger than you. Yeah. Yeah. It's because so my husband's family and this family have a tradition where they try and keep the godparents within those families and they name their kids after the godparents or after the I don't know how to explain it. It's interesting. That is super interesting. Wow. Yeah. And the food was really good. Everything was literally made from hand like the cheese Mm -hmm. was freshly made. All of the meat, they, like, did all of the sausages themselves. Oh, wow. I went to a lamb roast, which was amazing. Oh, wow. They had, they the, had like, full lamb yeah. on it. What? Yeah. <gasps> Actually, it was a sheep. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. can't think of anything else too interesting, but I'm sure I'll think of it later. I'm still not, like, fully in podcast mode. <laughs> I know. I'm not either. Um, it's been a while, so hopefully snap out of it in a second yeah maybe we'll ease into it in a second so we get some 
Some of this lovely champagne and Aperol in us. Oh, yeah. Mallory is this, suggested. Is this what Aperol spritz is? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. We, yeah, we made Aperol spritz. Mallory mentioned maybe we could have some champagne since we've been gone for so long and we're celebrating. And I was like, I'm going to add some Aperol in mine. Yeah, it's good. Because that's what I drink in Romania. It's really good. Anything else new with you besides that? Yeah, something creepy happened today. Oh, I want to know. You told me about this, but didn't tell me what it was. So, all right. Adrian has never said anything creepy to me before. So this was the first thing he's ever done that I found was extremely creepy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I tried to put him down for a nap today, and he wasn't having it. He was just, like, talking and yelling in his crib. And, you know, he was whining, and sometimes he was yelling. And then, I mean, I was just letting him try to calm down and... You know, maybe he'd fall asleep. Yeah. But then he started saying, I'm scared. Oh, no. And so when he said that, I was like, oh, I better go in and just, like, make sure he's okay. So when I went in, he had, like, tears falling down his face. Uh And he was like, Mommy, I'm scared. And I was like, why are you scared? And he started stuttering. And he was, like, pointing at the wall. And it was, like, the crack between his wall and the bed. And he was like, Mama, my... My my friend, my friend, my friend won't stop talking to me. What? Excuse me? Yeah. Excuse me, Ashley? And I was just like, what? Because I was like immediately like got chills. Oh. He's like, my friend won't stop talking to me. And I was like, what friend? And he was just, just pointing at that crack in between his bed and the wall. And I was just like, no one's there. No one's talking oh to you. Oh, my God. And he's just like, I'm wiping my tears. And he's like wiping the tears off his face. And I was like, what is happening? That is so weird. Now, But then I, I took him Ew, out of the bed and let him like lay that. down with me. He didn't say anything else about it. Oh, my God. I was just like, what? I wonder if he... Because he wasn't asleep. It's not like he had yeah. a bad dream or anything. Yeah, yeah. So it creeped me out. And this is the first time he's mentioned his friend. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he talks about his friends at school, but never, like, pointing at a crack between his bed and the wall. Yeah. Like, being creeped out. My friend won't stop talking to me. Yikes. Mm. Oh, my God. I don't know. Yeah. I don't like that at all. Yeah. But um, other than that, you know, we had that trip. As soon as I got back, you know, work has been nuts. It's been a really busy time of year we have a big show that we prepare for and like as soon as I got back one of my coworkers quit (laughs) and I was just like amazing which is it's fine we'll move on but it's just like a lot been going on I'm tired so it's been the perfect time for a break yeah Um, yeah but also I miss doing it I just haven't been able to think of anything to do I know after this next one, I'm going to be like back to square one. You guys send us suggestions. <laughs> yeah, I do know what I want to do next time. So that's good. I have oh, actually a good. few ideas, but I haven't started yet. Yeah. Well, I went to the beach. My brother and I went to Cape Canaveral, Cocoa Beach area. And it was really rainy that week, which was disappointing. But we still got to do a lot of fun stuff. So like the first day we got there... We saw the rocket launch that sent some crew to the International Space Station, which was awesome because it was, we were like 
maybe like 15 miles from the launch pad. Oh my gosh. And we had just like, we were trying to go because we knew the launch was happening that day. And we got there just in time. We got to like our Airbnb like an hour or something before the launch. Mm -hmm. And so I was just looking up places to go look for it. And there was a park nearby, but it was too full. So we just happened to find this like parking lot where we saw some people were like staking out. And I was like, oh, let's go. Let's go here. And we talked to this lady that was there and she was like, yeah, I live here. And she was so cute because she was like, every time I hear the rocket, I just run to the window in my apartment. <laughs> and she was like, I just came out today because it was so nice and I really wanted to see it. And it was funny. That's but. cool. So, yeah, it's crazy seeing a rocket launch in person because you can like see it first mm-hmm. and then you start to hear it and feel it. Whoa. And then it was a little bit cloudy, so we lost it, you know, kind of like halfway up. But... Then from my left, I heard a man go, get ready for the sonic boom. And I was like, oh, shit. And then <laughs> two seconds later, a two it's two sonic booms. <laughs> oh thundering right now. Two sonic booms. It, it's actually two because of the length of the rocket booster that comes back into the Earth's atmosphere. Anyway, and I had just heard it. Houston, my brother like ducked because he was he had no clue he he said to me he was like i thought we witnessed them just die like oh he thought it had exploded oh my god <laughs> could you imagine yeah oh my god so if i had not heard that guy say that i yeah. i would have like thought the same thing probably but so what was it the launcher falling off or? so yeah so it's like the booster the fuel the booster, yeah. booster it separates at a certain point from the actual rocket and they it's it was a spacex launch of falcon 9 so they mm-hmm. land it they don't always do this but they landed it back on the launch pad oh on land instead of one of their drone ships so if it had been a drone ship out in the ocean we wouldn't have heard that yeah so it was just because they landed it back on land this time oh, we heard crazy. the sonic boom <laughs> so what's the closest distance you can be from a rocket launch closest yeah um that's a good question. You can be really close because when we, we ended up going to Kennedy Space Center that mm-hmm. week too, and there's a lot of. I mean, we went on a bus tour of the whole thing, and there's like all those, you know, like you've seen in the movies and stuff, those bleachers, yeah, type of thing, like scattered all over the place. So, I mean, you can be really close to it, but man, not 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 super close, obviously. But 15 miles is, like, still pretty close to see Oh, it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can see it, I think, at least, like, 100 miles or so, maybe. Yeah. That's so, really cool. I could be totally wrong on that number. I just know that some people had said that they could see it from Jacksonville or something like that. I don't remember what city they said, but it was a ways away, so. Did the people who were on the ship, like, they made it back safely? and Yeah, they, they did the other day. back or anything? Like, I think it was, like, Saturday or... I can't remember what day it was. I, they landed, or they came back to Earth when I was asleep, so I didn't get to watch that. <laughs> you didn't get to welcome no. them back. <laughs> no. I was, I was already back from the beach anyway, so... <laughs> yeah. But we got to see another... There was another launch the day before we left, and it was at night that time, which was really cool to see. Because mm-hmm. it was really bright, and that one didn't have a sonic boom because they landed the boosters on the drone ship that time. But yeah, otherwise, we went to the beach and we had a pool at our Airbnb, 
And I didn't get roasted somehow, which is awesome. It was really like rainy and cloudy though a lot of the mm-hmm. time, so we didn't get to go as much as I would have liked to. But Kennedy right. Space Center is awesome if you ever get a chance to go. Yeah, I'd love to. You should totally take Adrian sometime because he would freak out. Oh my god! Because there's so many huge. They have like a quote unquote rocket garden where they just put old retired rockets out and you can see like oh, real wow. and stuff and then they have a saturn V rocket which was used in apollo missions to the moon and it is also the largest rocket that has ever been launched and it is a huge building that it's housed in i mean it's like i don't even know how to describe to you how big it is but the rocket is hung from the ceiling and it goes from one end all the way to the other and it's massive it's Holy massive. Shit. And then they have one of the NASA space shuttles, Atlantis, there as well, which is also, it's not as big, but it's still huge. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, you know, can picture a space shuttle. So you get to see that. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. There's a Mars exhibit, too, but we didn't get to go in it because there wasn't enough time. Mm. But and what else did we do? I don't know. We ate a lot of food. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. I want to go to the beach. I just want to have a relaxing trip one day. Yeah. I think I've said that on every episode. Or something. I, think I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You need a vacation where you don't have to, like, parent the entire yeah. time. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I really do. I want to plan a trip maybe in October for our anniversary and do something like go to Oaxaca or something like that. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, because at work, our... Our product development team went for inspiration. And so I've been looking through thousands of their pictures and like all of their research and stuff mm-hmm. on it and just like just to craft stories around it. But I'm like, oh my God, I want to go here. Oh it's my so God. cool. Um, Mayan ruins and just like good food. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never been to Mexico. I want to go to Mexico so bad. And then, oh, we met. Brent's, so Brent's niece is actually, so Brent's my boyfriend. His niece is actually like only four or five years younger than him because his sister is older. And she had lived in Scotland for a while. Mm-hmm. And so she came back just a little bit ago and her boyfriend from Scotland came with her. And they, she lives in North Carolina right now, but they came to, back to Georgia to visit and he proposed to her and they're going to get married. Oh, wow. And initially it was supposed to be like they were supposed to see whether he wanted to move here. But I guess they decided they're going to move there. Oh, cool. So <laughs> they were like, you have to come visit us. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yes, I want to go to Scotland so bad. <laughs> that would be so amazing. I know. <laughs> that would be awesome. Speaking of flying, we went to Southwest Cargo the other day with work. <laughs> oh, yeah. You had mentioned that. Yeah. We met with their cargo people like they're I don't I don't know what their titles are but they're like the people responsible for loading the planes and stuff no those are like the they were all working it's like the whatever administration executive people they have Mm. working for Southwest Cargo and so it's cool we got to tour their facility and see where Air Force One parks their plane and where all the snipers hang out when they because they the president only uses Southwest when they fly in I had no idea. Yeah. 
So the um, only reason I knew that was because of work, because we have to ship our tissue to us. So and we use Southwest and Delta. So, yeah. Huh. So, that was interesting. Yeah, that's cool. They give me cool a little goodie back. <laughs> goodie back. Goodie back. <laughs> Not me to say it like that. <laughs> So yeah, really neat. I feel like nothing of what I've said has been interesting at all. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we can cut everything if we need to. I will not take offense. Okay. Oh my god. Because I'm still just kind of like, what? Literally, I, I don't know. think I've talked this much in a while. I know me neither. <laughs> me neither. It really sucks. Are so loud. <laughs> I know they are super loud. Sorry about our drinks, guys. I know, and I feel like I've been talking so much. You've already. Almost drank your whole drink, and I'm no. I'm just still working on trying it. Trying to not be stiff <laughs> and shy <laughs> and awkward. That's a good, yeah. That's a good plan. Loosen up. I gotta loosen up. Oh, did I tell you that I got a promotion? No, I got a promotion. Wow! Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. What's I have your promotion? nowhere else to go now. I'm at the top. Oh <laughs> of yeah. Our, of our department, anyway. I'm just a senior donation support coordinator now. The only added me out of these bucks. I got yeah, I got it was it was a good bump. Oh, I have a story. Okay. Of what happened in between the last time we had an episode and now. You already know about it, but when I busted my tire on Mother's Day. Oh yeah. (laughs) So my brother and I went to my mom's house and then on the way back. We have to drive on the interstate and I was in one of the middle lanes and it was really rough. Like the road was shitty. And I said to Houston, I was like, this road sucks, dude. He was like, yeah, this is horrible. And then all of a sudden I saw it coming. I could see it. It was the hugest fucking pothole I've ever seen in my entire life. It was so deep. My left front tire just, I mean, I didn't have time Maybe I was following too closely with the car in front of me or something, but I didn't have time to like swerve out of the way either. And I didn't want to overcorrect and hit another car or anything like that. So I just hit it and I immediately, I mean, my tire, I could tell it was gone, like not (laughs) gone, but it was, there was no air in it. So I had to get across all the way and it was so crazy because I called for a hero truck. We have that in Georgia. It's like a, roadside assistance type thing so they could put on my spare because yes people I'm sorry but I don't trust myself to put on a spare tire mm-hmm. and my brother didn't either <laughs> and all of a sudden but like I think it was when I was no it was right before I was on the phone with DOT or whatever this car swerves they're going highway speeds and they swerve off in front of us and hit the sidewall <gasps> in front of us off the interstate well you didn't tell me that part Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, Houston, call 911. I'm, I think I was maybe already ringing with the hero truck or something, and I couldn't call them right away. And, and so he called 911, and all of a sudden, while he was on the phone, they just drove off on the exit because it was right near an exit. And, and my brother was like, oh, you know what? I don't think we need you guys anymore because they just drove away. I was like, no, keep them coming. They may not be okay still. Like They might be drunk. Yeah. <laughs> they, You guys need to go. <laughs> and he was like, you oh, okay. <laughs> you know what? Actually, everything's fine. <laughs> I was like, are you crazy? <sighs> anyway. Wow. So that was nuts. And then on top of that, 
in my job, just having had donors that were killed by cars when they're on the side of the road, like we were, I've had multiple. That just happened a lot recently. Yes. And after that happening right in front of us, I was like, oh my fucking God. So I was standing on the side of the road. (laughs) I was in like bitch mode because (laughs) nobody moves over. The fucking move over law. Nobody does it. And it's so scary when you're on the side of the road and people are not moving over and they're just, they don't slow down, nothing. That's so scary. I always move over. And so I I was out there just being like, what do you, I was seriously. (laughs) And I was like, Pointing them to the Mallory's next lane. Mallory's being a traffic director right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, if I would have passed by you and seen that, that would have been hilarious. I was so mad. I was. It was exacerbated by the fact that I had just popped my tire yeah. and had to get on oh. the side of the road. But You're probably um, running on pure adrenaline. Yeah, I was. So yeah, there was a, it was probably, it's probably like a four by four hole in my tire. Like oh four God. inches by four inches. What? I don't know what happened to that. It's like a square that's just like blown out of it. I don't know. It's so crazy. Oh, wow. And you had mentioned a lot of other people had the same. Yes. So there was already a car pulled over when we pulled over. And then another car pulls over. And then we hear someone hit the hole. And it, the tire just went. <laughs> and they pull over. And then another one pulls over. Oh, and my then God. Let's sue the city. Yeah. And then the cop, a cop came by and he made a police report for all of us. So that's good. (sighs) Anyways, we had to wait on the side of the road forever because the hero truck didn't end up coming because there was an incident in downtown Atlanta. And (laughs) then I had to use Brent's AAA because I didn't have AAA. Needless to say, as we were about to go on a road trip, I ended up getting AAA for myself immediately after that. Mm Mm-hmm. But then we finally made it home, and I had to work the next day. We finally made it home at, like, 1 a.m., and I had to work at 5. Oh, no. So <laughs> I texted my coworkers, and I was like, uh, I'm sleeping in in the morning. Sorry. <laughs> and so yeah. I ended up logging in at, like, 8. So, but anyway. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. It was crazy. I have kind of a crazy story. It's not nearly as crazy, but we went to eat at Barcelona Wine Bar in Inman Park on Friday with just my mom, stepdad. We had my mom's cousin in town and then Britain. And so we were, they had ordered some wine and they were like getting three glasses. So the woman comes, she's like a brand new waitress. There's two waitresses that were brand new and they're like alternating. So one of them comes with like three glasses in her hand and she's like trying to set them down but then she drops them, oh, God. and they. she goes to reach for the glass. It breaks, and she grabs <gasps> a shard of glass, or, like, a shard of glass hits her hand, and it immediately starts pouring blood everywhere. Oh, no. Like, she has done some damage, and we're oh, all just like, no. oh, my God, because, like, glass broke literally all over the table, all over our food, all over my mom's cousin. Like, she was fine, but oh, the waitress, God. like, immediately was just like, oh, no. And she grabbed her hand and just, like, walked away. She had to be Ubered to the hospital. No. Because her hand would not stop bleeding. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah, but then the other waitress that was helping, it was, like, her second day. Oh, and she was shit. so stressed. And we were just like, it's okay. Just, like, let's all clean this up. And don't worry about replacing any of the food. We're, we're 
fine now. Yeah. We don't want to eat anymore. <laughs> um, so anyway, they comped our bill. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. But it was just like, felt so bad. That's that really scary. Because if she hit, I mean, I don't know if it was her hand or wrist or whatever, but. Yeah, I think it was like the top of her hand. Oh, okay. But oh my God. What if it was here? I know. Oh. It would be really bad. Oh my God. So yeah, that was pretty nuts. Uh, poor girl. Yeah. Maybe don't carry three glasses of wine next time, though. I mean, it was just the glasses. Oh, no, they weren't even full? No. Oh! She had, like, the wine bottle. How did that happen? That's crazy. Wow. Poor girl. Um, I'm get a refill. All right, let's, um, we'll get a refill, and then we'll come back. We're going to give you some trial updates on Lori Vallow first, and then Ashley is going to give you the Letitia Scalk updates. That's right. Okay. Bye, Robert. All right, we're back. Hey. Ashley, do you feel any more loose yet? No. <laughs> you know what I just realized? I have a giant splat of something on my shirt. I saw that, but I thought it was a planet. <laughs> no. I thought it was like a star. <laughs> I have a NASA sweatshirt that I got from Kennedy Space Center on. It's just a giant splash. I was like, that's either some cheese dip or a planet. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably whatever the hell lean cuisine I was eating earlier. Because, oh yeah, I've been trying to count my calories, which I totally ruined on my vacation and probably gained all the weight back, but I haven't had the courage to weigh myself yet. No, just keep going. You're good. So You're good. I'm just... Meaning a lot of lean cuisines and like deli meat and salads. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, lean cuisines are probably not the greatest for me, but. Well, if you're easy. trying to just stay away from things that are worse than that, that's good. It helps me with portion forces, control. Yes, forces me to have portion control. Yeah. So, yeah. Whatever you need to do. Yeah. There's no right answer. Anyways. All right. Well, I have got some Lori Vallow Daybell trial updates the trial is over by now but I figured since we haven't really even talked about it it began two days before our episode came out so our last episode so we really didn't talk about it at all so I think we did mention that this trial was not live streamed Mm -hmm. judge said no cameras you could get a reservation if you were in Idaho to watch the trial live Apparently they had like three different viewing locations, but you could only reserve like one day at a time and you could only reserve it like the day prior. So you had to reserve it every freaking day if you wanted to be there. So I have no idea how, and they said it was first come first serve. There was no like priority given to anybody. So I have no clue how like Gigi from Pretty Lies and Alibis got there every day. I have no idea. Hmm. I mean, I don't know because I wasn't there how many people turned out, but it, from what I've read and seen it seemed like there were a lot of people so I don't know yeah so we talked about this case Mallory actually talked about this case on episode six if you're interested in hearing the full story it is crazy but it's even so much more robust than that I feel like yeah I've learned so much more about that case like since you told that story like you introduced it to me and then just listening to you know well first of all I have that docuseries out and then oh yeah Pretty Lies and Alibis, like, they started their podcast on this Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So just, like, they would read every single text message from Lori and Zulema, just, like, so hearing all of that, it just, like, 
gives different context. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend checking out Pretty Lies and Alibis if you're into this case because it is like one of the biggest rabbit holes mm-hmm. I ever went down. Definitely check that out. I am just focusing on like trial today so and talking about the new stuff that we found out. So anyway, the prosecution in their opening statements, of course their argument was that money, power, and sex were what this case was about. Not any spiritual, because Lori was in La La Land with her crazy spiritual beliefs. Yeah, beliefs. And just, I feel like, I feel bad not giving a little bit of background if no one's ever heard of this. Just so you know, a lot of people dropped like flies around this lady after she started being in a relationship with this one guy named Chad Daybell. They ended up marrying or whatever, but he was like a spiritual leader, believed in so much crazy shit. Like there was only 144,000 people that were going to get to go to heaven or whatever. And they believed that people were on a light to dark scale and people had like, people were zombies Mm -hmm. if they were Dark. dark. Yeah. Or possessed by demons or whatever. So their argument was that money, power, and sex were what Lori wanted and that she, it did not matter what obstacle she had to remove to get what she wanted. And the obstacles in her case were Tammy Daybell, Chad's ex-wife, or not ex-wife, but just wife that died, Charles, her ex-husband who died, and of course her two children, JJ and Tylee, who died. Mm -hmm. They presented page after page of Lori and Chad's text messages to each other about the children and the spouses going dark and turning into zombies and all that shit. They showed the jury the text from Lori to Chad in which she admitted that they got rid- they got rid of do you remember Ned Schneider? Yes. <laughs> Who was the evil spirit that inhabited her husband Charles? Yeah. So she said that they got rid of him and That was after Charles had died. So Charles was killed by Lori's brother, Alex. He claimed that it was self-defense, but we later learned that he did not even attempt CPR on the phone. He basically lied about what happened. And I mean, he just went in there and shot him and he said it was an argument or whatever. But anyway, so we learned through this trial that Alex, Lori's brother, would literally do anything for Lori. They showed the jury how Alex's phone put him where the children were killed at the time and place they were killed and when their bodies were buried. And the night that Chad's wife Tammy died, supposedly of a heart attack, Alex was in the neighborhood. Lori was not charged with her death, her murder, mm-hmm. but Chad is still, he, he's going to start his trial next year so and obviously actually i didn't mention this but if you know the story alex cox Lori's brother is also no longer alive so and that one's a uh, questionable to me too yeah <laughs> super convenient yeah he was i feel like he was mostly like the hitman. yeah so i don't know what would have happened to him but i feel like i don't know it's just too many people dying yeah. around Lori. <laughs> So, yeah, the prosecutor said Lori and Chad not only wanted to get these inconvenient people out of the way, they also needed money to fund their new life together. So, do you remember how Lori attempted to claim Charles 
uh, life insurance policy. And then it turned out that I think Kay, mm-hmm. JJ's grandma, had already changed it to her, I think. I actually think Charles changed it to her. Oh, Charles changed yeah. it to her. Yeah, sorry, sorry. That's what I meant. Well, anyway, Chad did the same thing for Tammy at the school district where she worked just two days after her death. And I guess somebody had said at one point that in the history of the the district, never had anybody come in so quick to find out how to claim the life insurance policy. (laughs) Oh, no. So he was like not sitting on that at all. Um, And they got $430,000 from that. So... We found out also that Lori was even cashing in on her dead children by collecting their social security benefits, Mm. which was something the prosecution suggested that she planned ahead of time. Because before J.J. and Tylee died, Lori changed bank account information. The deposits that were going into Tylee's account were suddenly diverted to Lori's account. Wow. So she had, like, changed all that before they passed away. Okay, so that's extremely telling. Yes. (laughs) And then a woman named Audrey Baratario took the stand. She had actually been one of Lori and Chad's like inner circle. And she actually ended up purposely ending her friendship with Lori. And Lori didn't take it well. Lori threatened to kill her. Oh, I've never heard of this. Yes. So she says, this is a quote from Audrey. She said she would cut me up and wasn't in the mental place to do it, but she would get herself in a place to do it. There would be blood and bleach and something about trash bags. She would bury me in a place nobody would ever find me. Holy shit. Is what Lori said to her. Whoa. Isn't that nuts? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So... Audrey said that she had started to feel very uncomfortable with the things that were being said during her quote unquote casting sessions, which were those like prayer circle things that they would have to cast out evil spirits. It was basically like they were playing Final Fantasy. (laughs) That's kind of what I imagine. Like they're like, I'm going to use my sword to cast out so and so (laughs) or like a wave. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. I I would probably pay a lot of money to see one of those, actually. To see them, they're... Just well, their, I just want to see how stupid they're, like... Well, I know a lot of them were through texts. They did a lot of them through texts. Oh. I don't know what I'm I don't remember, about, actually. But anyway. So, Lori's defense attorneys accused Audrey of lying under oath, saying that she never previously shared this information during the grand jury proceedings. And then Audrey said, well... She wasn't lying under oath, but she hadn't said anything because she was scared for her life that Lori would come and kill her because she had killed so many other people or seemingly killed so many other people already. Lori's sister, Summer, also testified, and they played a phone call between her and Lori, which was from June 2020, which was after JJ and Tylee's bodies had been found. Obviously, Lori was in jail, so this is a recorded call from the jail. And Summer says to her, I don't know how they can be thrown away like garbage. You are in Hawaii dancing on the beach while your kids are in the ground. Because Lori had married Chad in Hawaii just a couple months after. I think it was a couple months after they had last been seen or something. Yeah. It was not long after that. And... 
Summer said that she or her mother would have taken custody of Tylee and JJ, but Lori apparently had actually cut off contact with them for four months at that point. So they couldn't even get in touch with her. And then Lori just says, you don't understand. I can't talk about them. Nobody in the world knows what I've been through. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. But Summer didn't stop pushing her sister on the topic. She said, Lori, you were dancing on the beach, smiling, getting wedding photos. She asked Lori how she could let her children die. And then Lori responded that she didn't. So this, I I don't know if you've heard a recording of this call, but I didn't do it justice reading those quotes. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost hard to understand. I had to like read along with it, but it's a very fueled, like her sister is livid. Like she cannot understand Mm -hmm. how, because she had just found out that they found their bodies at Chad's house. Like, Oh my God. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. No, I, I, no, I did not. It's, yeah, it's intense. And then, of course, Lori's son, Colby, takes the stand. Lori mouths as Colby enters the courtroom, my baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Colby. Gave her the cold shoulder. Good. (laughs) Apparently. He mostly avoided eye contact, you know, even if she stared him down. And they ended up playing a jail call between Lori and Colby. uh, Again, after JJ and Tylee were found at Chad's, in Chad's backyard. By the way, just as a side note, they were found in their pet cemetery. Yeah. Buried. So Lori says, hi, Colby. So Colby asks his mom if she's hiding from him, and she responds that Colby is the one who didn't want to talk to her, because I guess they just didn't have contact for a while. And then Colby says, probably because you murdered my siblings. He said, Mom, you've been shoving BS up my throat for a long time, and I can't tell you the amount of pain I felt from your decisions. I have prayed for you in my worst moments. I have prayed for my siblings, who you swore to me were okay. I thought I could trust you. I thought that you were a completely different person. Lori says, you've known me your whole life. And then Colby says, I don't know a murderous mother. Wow. Yeah. You've lied to me more times than I can count about this. I've tried my best to forgive you, forgive you and Chad. My heart was broken by my own mother. What are you doing? And Lori says, they think they know what happened. They think they know who is responsible. One day, you will know what actually happened. And then Colby tells his mom that God is going to punish her for what he has done. And then Lori starts laughing. Ugh. Isn't that gross? Ugh. Yeah, she starts laughing. It's so disgusting when you hear it. She's just, like, giggling in the background. And he's like, is this funny? <laughs> like, it's not fucking funny, bitch. Your kids yeah. were found... Buried in the backyard of your husband. And his siblings. Yeah. This is not funny. How is this funny? And she just says, I love you. I always will. One day you will understand. I don't have anything else to say. You weren't there. Summer wasn't there. Her sister. JJ and Tylee know exactly what happened. They love me and they are still together. They know the truth. Go ahead and judge me. I'm the one who knows. Oh, it's so disgusting. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then Colby 
continues. I mean, it's an, a long call, but he just yells at one point, the kids were found buried in your new husband's backyard. My siblings, my whole family, my dad, everyone is gone except my mom and you're in jail because of it. It's super sad. I feel really bad for him. And he says, I pray every day, no matter how mad I am at you, no matter how bad I want to hit your husband in the face with a shovel, I pray for you. I pray for him. You ripped my heart out. You ripped everyone's heart out. Wow. Ugh. I don't understand how he could still pray for them. Like, I don't either, but Christians are like that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, but you hear about people like still praying for their enemies but like when it's your mother who killed your siblings that's like a completely different thing that's strong stuff like that's like um extreme that's anger and pain and betrayal that is i don't know i mean the mother you knew your whole life is somehow now a murderer like oh yeah it's, what's crazy about lori too is I mean, she's very good at, it's emotional manipulation, but she's really good at keeping a facade mm -hmm. and she's able to trick people that she's totally like an amazing mother. And, and by all accounts, she was a, a quote unquote amazing mother. Even Kay and um, yeah. Larry Wickock said that. Yeah. Until it stops serving her and then she can. Yeah. Yeah. Get rid of it. Yeah. So Chad's previous wife, Tammy, I think we may have mentioned it, but her body had been exhumed. And the medical examiner who did that autopsy, Dr. Eric Christensen, testified in the case. And he determined that she had not died from a heart attack in her sleep. She had bruises that were still visible on her body. Oh, my God. That were consistent with someone being restrained. And would be consistent with asphyxia as the cause of death. She also had markings on her upper arms that were consistent with someone holding her down. Or kneeling on either side of her. And then marks that suggested that she was choked or smothered. Oh, shit. Yeah. All of this for Chad and Lori. So yeah, Tammy initially did not have an autopsy. So this is, you know, the first time that they're finding out about this. It was apparently due to freaking Chad refusing an autopsy. And then the coroner was just like, okay. Yeah, I wonder if he had like some religious reasons or something, you know. Oh, I'm sure he used whatever mm -hmm. excuse he could because obviously there was foul play. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. God, yeah. She was healthy as fuck. She was a runner. I like, don't know how his kids feel. They, the last I had seen, now it's been a while. Side, right? They were supporting him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see. It's like the Duggars. Oh, my God. Gross. Yeah. I'm interested to see if his kids will testify in his trial. Yeah. And I wonder, it's probably going to be the same. I mean, it would be the same county. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be the same judge or what. The judge in this trial sounds exactly like Nathan Fielder. I don't know. Yes, oh, yeah. yes, he, he does. does. He does. <laughs> everyone in that whole trial, like you could only listen to it, you couldn't watch it, but everyone in that whole trial was so deadpan the way they yeah. talked. It was very different than from any other trial I've ever listened to. 
Yeah, that is true. So then they moved on and law enforcement detailed the state in which they found JJ and Tylee when they found their bodies. Tylee's body was burned and mutilated beyond recognition, and it was impossible to determine her cause of death. JJ was still dressed in his red pajamas, his head was wrapped in plastic, and duct tape was covering his mouth the pathologist explained he had determined the cause of death obviously it was going to be asphyxia from the plastic bag and the duct tape i'm wondering why they didn't burn him maybe they burned tylee and they were like fuck this it's too much let's just get it over with and bury him i don't know i don't know but i i had heard that she had some marks from a carnivorous animal on her bones. Oh. I don't know if... Somehow I missed that, yeah. That's interesting. I don't hmm. know if someone, like... Or an animal got to her somehow. Yeah. But I she mean, also that had could tool be... marks, too. Oh. Them. Dismembering yeah. her. Oh, my God. Um, so JJ. I know. So they, they showed crime scene photos, and Lori tried to avoid looking at them, which, I mean, okay. But she... Asked to be excused from the courtroom that day. Mm-hmm. And the prosecution was like, nah, bitch. Yeah. They said, this is her trial. If the jury has to see these photos, she should have to see these photos. And the judge agreed. So she had to stay there. And during that portion, she was wiping her eyes. She appeared very upset. And she was just looking down the entire time. So, uh, also, just a side note, JJ's grandfather, which... We weren't sure if he was going to be able to go into the courtroom. He eventually did. He was able to after his testimony. Mm-hmm. So he was in the courtroom by that time, and he was just sobbing while oh. these photos were being displayed. God. Seeing JJ. Yeah, they the way they described him was like really heartbreaking. He still had on his little pull-up. Yes. Which broke my heart. Yes. Um, and his hands were like taped together. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awful. So they called a DNA expert at one point, and um, they said that they found a hair on the duct tape that was on JJ's mouth. And the partial DNA profile matched the DNA profile that was provided for Lori. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the only piece of evidence that we heard in the trial that tied Lori directly to the deaths of her children. You know, there was circumstantial evidence. There's a lot of text messages, a whole lot of back and forth or whatever. But as far as the actual bodies in Chad's backyard, mm-hmm. that hair tied her to it. Yeah. So that was good. Yeah. <laughs> and the prosecution, I don't know if you heard anything else about the prosecution side. I'm not, I mean, obviously I'm not going into immense detail here, but, oh, I know Zulema testified and... There was nothing revealed in her testimony, really, but she was just talking about, like, all the spiritual shit mm-hmm. and about the casting outs and all that kind of stuff like that. So Yeah. So when it was the defense's turn to present their case, call a witness, something, anything, mm-hmm. the attorneys asked for a few moments to speak with their client. So there's speculation at that time, is Lori going to take the stand or something? Like, what yeah. are they talking about? And they had everybody leave the room. And then about 20 or 30 minutes later, 
everyone comes back in and they say, we do not believe the prosecution has proven this case and we rest our case. That was it. Oh, whoa. No witnesses. Lori didn't take the stand. Nothing. Everyone hates her. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's kind of crazy. You think about it and you're like, okay, Lori could have just gone full blame Chad. Yeah. She could have, you know, said that he took advantage of her, manipulated her, whatever. But she did not want to go that route, apparently. She didn't, I mean, she didn't want to fight it at all, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she actually believes she did something right. I, I mean, yeah. Holy shit. But you'd think that she would have some witnesses for their side to, like, try to argue her case. That's nuts. But I guess if she thinks that she's right and she did something right, her her defense attorneys were probably like, we can't do... We can't. We're not going (laughs) to summon (laughs) Joseph Smith. (laughs) We... Listen, lady, we can't actually do that. We're not going to conjure up. <laughs> yeah. We know you think you're right, and, you, you know, we think you you think all these things are true, but we can't do this. Oh, my God. So, yeah. But what was kind of interesting is in the closing arguments, Lori's attorneys kind of made a U-turn, and there's speculation that maybe she had not approved this. Like, they ended up blaming Chad, and they said that Lori was just naive, not a killer, and that she's not leading anyone. She's following Chad, and she thinks Chad is following Jesus. And while they were giving the closing arguments, Lori was apparently, like, really upset. And according to Dateline, there were sources that confirmed that she was furious that her attorney went after Chad because she was still madly in love with Chad. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't know that. She's like... Wanting to protect him, still. But how could her attorneys do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Whoa. Like I said, it's speculation. I don't know for sure. But, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize they were still madly in love. I mean, they did all that. Yeah. I mean, hey, ride or die, right? <laughs> I guess. Jeez. Oh, my God. So, yeah. <laughs> the jury deliberated for seven hours. The judge actually did allow the verdict reading to be live streamed, and she, surprise, surprise, was found guilty of first-degree murder of her children, Kylie and JJ, and guilty of conspiring to murder Chad's wife, Tammy Daybell, as well as grand theft for continuing to collect the children's social security and child care benefits after they were dead. And then her sentencing is actually not set until July 31st for some reason. Oh, yeah, weird. It's a ways away, which is kind of weird. But yesterday, actually, Chad Daybell's trial date was also set. So it's set for April 1st, 2024. And he's charged with the murders of JJ and Tylee and his wife, Tammy. And he has pleaded not guilty, obviously. Lori still has more charges waiting for her in Arizona for a conspiracy and the murder of her husband, Charles. Oh, yeah. So she there's going to be another... I mean, if she pleads not guilty, there will be another trial there. What's the point at this point? I, I know. She, I know. She's going to be rotting in prison whatever. for the rest of her life anyway. But she is now asking for a new trial, by the way. I guess they always do that. Yeah, I know. 
probably the lawyers. Well, in the motion for the new trial, Lori's attorney said that one of the jurors knew evidence that wasn't presented during the trial. And their argument was that, so one of the jurors did an interview with Nate Eaton from East Idaho News. Mm -hmm. And he had talked about how the police in Arizona had seen some like significant, what he called, quote, significant red flags, which Nate asked him, is he talking about before or after Charles was killed? And he said before and after, but then he refers to the body camera footage of Charles in January 2019, where he tells the police that he's worried about Lori and that she's lost her like reality and that he was worried about Tylee and JJ's mm-hmm. safety. And the motion argued that the juror's comment about Arizona police wasn't part of the evidence presented during the trial, which it wasn't, but they had a problem that they referred to it in the interview And the juror doesn't actually specifically mention the footage, but just, like, kind of visibly agrees or, like, acknowledges it when Nate Eaton mentions it. Mm -hmm. And the interview actually took place May 17th, which was five days after the verdict was reached. So... Could have watched the documentary. He he probably was like, I just got off this crazy trial. Let me look up everything there is... And found out that there was more, like, where he knew that Charles was dead, so he was like, let me see what the hell happened here. So, they don't, I don't think they have an argument. there's a freaking Netflix documentary you could have watched in one day. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that's what they're arguing. They also cited two additional reasons why Lori's conviction should be vacated. They said that the court misdirected the jury about the law in regard to the three conspiracy charges, in the indictment, prosecutors alleged that the Daybells, Alex Cox, Lori's brother, and other co-conspirators, both unknown and known, conspired to kill the children and Tammy Daybell. But during the trial, the government alleged that the conspiracy was only between two people. The Daybells, Lori and her brother, or Chad and Alex. The motion says, quote, to have the government and the court permit a conspiracy of just two people instead of five was prejudicial and unlawful and should require a new trial. I don't know why. I really don't understand why, but that's what they Mm -hmm. um, said. So they also added that the jury was again misdirected because the court allowed the prosecution to amend the indictment nearly two years after it was filed. So the prosecution will have a chance to file an objection to the motion and then Judge Boyce could schedule a hearing, so we'll see. But I don't think they really have any ground to stand on. <laughs> yeah, all that's just a bunch of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Judge Boyce. Judge Boyce. So anyway, I don't know if you heard anything else about it, but that's all I got. I don't think so. No, I, I didn't even listen to all of it. I just yeah. listened up to until the bodies of the kids were found. and Yeah. There's, there was just too much stuff to follow, but... yeah. I didn't. Wow. I didn't want this to turn into a Murdoch episode, so <laughs> yeah, it very easily could. tried to just <laughs> go over some highlights here. So yeah, um, you can listen to the whole trial if you are interested. They did record it and, and put the recordings out to the public, so it's on YouTube. So yeah, that was awesome. I'm so glad it happened and it's over now. Me too. Can't wait to hear her get sentenced to life in prison. 
forever. Yep. And I can't wait to get Chad tried and locked away. <laughs> I saw a comment on YouTube about Chad. I think it was on YouTube. But someone said, it looks like he's trying to eat his own chin. <laughs> <laughs> it's really true, though. It's so weird. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't even do it. But, oh, my God. God, man. What a, just a bizarre story. It is Like, so just weird. reflecting on it now. Like, I cannot understand how all of this happened. And nothing, well, that we know of had happened to either of them like this before they met each other. It was like the perfect yeah. storm of people. Yes. Ugh. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's What if it's bizarre. like that folia do thing where two people share the same delusion? Oh. Just, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. I bet. So weird. I mean, they're not, isn't that like usually between siblings or yeah, something? Yeah, usually between but, like really close family or something yeah. like that. Well, thank you for they're that gross. recap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're gross. <laughs> they're gross. I hate them. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway. Well, let's take ourselves a little break. Okay. We'll take one more breaky break, and we'll be back with you with some Latish. Some Tisha. Tisha. Bye. Bye. We're back. We're back. All right, guys. So while we're on break... I obsessively followed the Letitia Stout trial. We talked about Letitia in episode 35. So if you'd like to get familiar with that story, I start talking about it at the 33-minute mark if you'd like to just know all the details. But I'll give a little short recap. But basically, today, I just wanted to go over whatever I can remember about this trial. It was the craziest trial it's extremely hard to follow because most of it is just lies. <laughs> Letitia tells so many different stories. There was a lot of interesting and absurd moments. But also, I'll just like get to the overall conclusion of the trial. But before I start, I'll just give like a mini recap, just in case you don't know who Letitia is or what she was being tried for. So Gannon Stauk was an 11-year-old boy who loved video games. He was born premature and had a rough start at life, but he beat all odds. Gannon lived with his younger sister, Lena, his teenage stepsister, Harley, his father, Al, and his stepmother, Letitia. Letitia was a teacher, and Al was in the National Guard. On January 26, 2020, Al was deployed to another state for some training, and Letitia was looking after the kids. It was on January 27th that Letitia had reported Gannon missing, claiming he had gone to a friend's house in the neighborhood and that he had just never came home. Al immediately flew home to aid in the search, as did Gannon's mother and Al's ex-wife, Landon. And Letitia demonstrated very odd behavior the weeks following Gannon's disappearance. For one, she showed up at the airport to pick up Al in a rental car, claiming she didn't want to, like, put too many miles on her car searching for Gannon. He thought that was weird, too, so it's not just us. Mm -hmm. Her story about what happened the day of Gannon's disappearance also kept changing. Letitia told a story about how Gannon had knocked over a candle and burned the carpet. This incident, according to Letitia, is what prompted her to pull up to a construction site in the neighborhood and ask about getting a patch of carpet replaced. Letitia claimed she gave the construction worker, who she said was named Aguardo, <laughs> the code to the garage. 
She said when she and Gannon returned home later that day, the man was in the house where he attacked her and raped her. Letitia says she hit her head and lost consciousness, and when she woke up, Gannon was gone. So, guys, that is just one of literally probably 10 different stories Letitia tells. I told a few of them in episode 35, but more came out in the trial, and I'm not necessarily going to focus on those because what's the point? Yeah. I mean, they're kind of funny, but also it's just like a lot. It's just ridiculous. So I mentioned this one specific story because of the candle incident. So I had shown the video in the last episode, but this video, Letitia posted it on her Facebook. She claimed that she accidentally recorded it when she was confronting Gannon about knocking over a candle. And not really sure what she thought she was going to gain from posting that video, but it backfired. So she posted it after he went missing, just to claim, like, I don't know if she was just, like, prepping for her story about Eduardo or something, but (laughs) no one really knows her thought process. But it backfired on her because the way she was talking to Gannon was just off and manipulative and weird. Yeah. But despite the response to her video... Letitia cannot stay off social media. She's fighting with internet sleuths and Facebook groups. She's posting terrible things about Gannon's mother. And she even gave a bizarre TV interview where the only thing she has to say is how people will be sorry for how they treated her once Gannon is found. That TV interview is chef's kiss. It is amazing how... Weird it is. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) It's literally the back of her head being filmed the entire time. Yeah. It's very odd. Oh, it's so weird. It's creepy. So we go into depth on that on the other episode. But Letitia kept on with her outlandish stories of a home invasion, but refused to go to the hospital to get swabbed for her DNA. She refused a rape kit. God. Her story changed multiple times, as I said, each new story more ridiculous than the last, and yet detectives followed up on every lead. It was just a matter of time before they had enough evidence to arrest Letitia. Letitia ended up fleeing with her daughter across the country to start a new life. They ended up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. She refused to tell anyone from her past life, i.e. her husband Al, where Mm. she was, but police had her location. After the discovery of a large amount of blood and blood spatter in Gannon's room, they had enough evidence to arrest Letitia, and she was arrested on March 2nd in South Carolina. What year was this again, do you know? 2020. 2020, okay. On March 17th, 2020, just weeks after Letitia's arrest, state construction workers in Pace, Florida, found the bludgeoned, stabbed, and shot body of a small boy stuffed in a suitcase. This discovery was 1,400 miles away from the Stout home, but the remains were identified to be Gannon's through his dental records. Letitia Stauk was charged with the murder of her 11-year-old stepson, Gannon. Her official charges are first-degree murder, child abuse resulting in death, and tampering with the deceased human being. She has pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. So that's my little mini recap. To get into the trial, it lasted 21 days and ended with the jury reaching a verdict on May 8th. The jury deliberated a total of eight hours before delivering a guilty verdict. 
After the announcement of the verdict, family members of Gannon asked Letitia be given the maximum sentence. Al also asked the judge to strip Letitia of his last name. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it makes him sick to hear yeah. his name. Yes. Oh, I don't blame him at all. I know. The judge sentenced Letitia to life in prison without the possibility of parole on two counts of first-degree murder. He also sentenced Letitia to 13 and a half years on the charges of tampering with evidence and tampering with a dead body. So I'm going to go into a little bit about the prosecution's opening statements. On April 3rd, 12 jurors were seated with six alternates. District Attorney Michael Allen began his opening statement explaining to the jury how this case was about determining the sanity of the defendant, that there is no question that she murdered Gannon. He went on to describe Gannon and provided additional insight into the candle incident we heard so much about. And that's when they played the candle video Mm -hmm. with some additional pieces that we did not hear. And I just want to play it because as soon as I heard it, I broke down crying. So trigger warning, if you don't want to be extremely upset, maybe just fast forward two minutes. So just to set this up, this is the district attorney, Michael Allen, giving his opening statement as he's about to play the candle video. Just to give you a little background. Growing out of anger, revenge, or hatred, or other motives and kindred evil conditions. Because when an act is induced by any of these causes, the ones that I just listed, the person is accountable to the law, meaning that person can be found guilty for committing crimes charged. You should consider the evidence you will hear in this case in context with that instruction. This case is about two people. First is Gannon Jacob Stout. An 11 year old little boy came into this world premature, weighing just one pound, six ounces. He proved to be a fighter overcame the difficulties associated with being born so small. He survived by his mother, Landon Hyatt, his father, Al Stouck, and his precocious little sister, Layla. On January 26, 2020, something bad happened inside the Stout family home. Gannon suffered some burns. You'll learn this from a video recording this defendant made that night, January 26th. You'll hear her as she manipulated Gannon putting guilt on him for some mistake that a child made. And in that recording, you'll hear Gannon say in his own words, I'm just worried about my burns. Two, I just don't know what to do. Gannon, I promise this is the last time I'm gonna ask you. I'm just freaked out, okay? Are you sure you didn't do it on purpose? Okay, we promise, we promise. Pinky promise. Okay, all right, so listen, listen. All right, um, we're gonna have to sell stuff to fix it, okay? So we figure out what we're gonna sell. We can sell the sofa, we can sell whatever, because we gotta get it fixed so the lady don't be mad at us and kick us out of the house, okay? You got it? You got it? I just worry about my friend. Okay, shh, listen, 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 listen. So tomorrow... So that was a shock. Because we had heard that video, but we did not hear the part where Gannon mentions being burned. Yeah, it cut off prior to that. And then her reaction to him was just, shh, 
Listen, 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 listen. Yeah. She's not not even clocking that he's got burns that need to be treated or anything. Yep. Alan then goes on to tell the courtroom about the murder. How Letitia killed Gannon in his bedroom while the two were at the home alone on January 27th. He described how Gannon had been stabbed 18 times in the back, chest, hands, and head. He explains the importance of the hand wounds. Gannon was fighting back. He then suffered a blow to the head that was so strong that it fractured his skull. Gannon was then shot in the jaw by a 9mm pistol. The bullet was recovered from the back of his skull during his autopsy. The evidence shows that Letitia immediately began to hide her crime. She gathered Gannon and wrapped him in his bedding and shoved him in a suitcase where she left it in a storage room in their basement. She sent Harley and Gannon's little sister out of the house to buy cleaning supplies. She then cleaned his entire room, scrubbed the walls, scrubbed the carpets, and those scrub brushes were then later found in the dishwasher, they contained carpet fiber and Gannon's blood. From there, she transported his body in her car to the El Paso County, Douglas County line, where a board was discovered covered in Gannon's blood. This board came from the Stouks garage. Allen details the numerous stories Letitia told to explain Gannon's disappearance. Eduardo, the carpet installer and rapist. Quincy Brown, the man who was recently shown on TV as an escaped criminal. Oh, yeah. Cartels. She even blamed Gannon's own mother. Then, on February 1st, Letitia rented a car, took her daughter Harley, and drove across the country where she made several stops. One of these stops was a bridge outside of Pensacola, Florida, where Letitia and Harley had stayed one night. It was under the same bridge where Gannon's body was found. So... That was the gist of what the prosecution talked about during their opening statements. And then the defense decided to respond with exactly what you'd expect. Defense attorney Will Cook reiterated that they weren't arguing whether Letitia killed Gannon or not. She had. And it was horrible. So just to preface, this this attorney is just like really cringy oh. and odd. So he he's like saying, okay, my client you know, did this terrible, terrible thing. It's unthinkable. And then he decides to pull a Tyra Banks move. He said, it's so terrible. You know what? It's so bad. This is a lost cause. I quit. And he walks toward the door. What? Then he turns around and says, ladies and gentlemen, I can't quit. I can't leave this courtroom. I have got to do my job in this case. (laughs) It was so ridiculous. What the hell? Does this guy think he's like an actor or something? He walked all the way to the What's with door. the theatrics? That's, it was crazy. Oh, my God. And I was God. watching the judge's face the whole time, and he was just like, um. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> well, you know how all defense attorneys have to be like, this is a right to have a defense attorney. Yeah. Like, we have to defend their rights. Basically, like. We know this crime is really bad. Don't hate us. We're doing our job. Right. We're protecting their rights. He goes on and on and on about this. He talks about the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and then he gets really deep. He's like, you know, these old school laws. And then he goes on to talk about Paul Revere. Bro. He's like, the British are coming. The British are coming. And it's like, where are you going with this? Who is this guy? I need to know. (laughs) 
this guy is wild. His name is Will Cook. Oh, and well. then Will Cook took a page out of Jose Baez's book and claimed that Leticia had a very rough childhood. Oh, yes. That she was sexually assaulted by her stepfather from a very young age. Cook says to cope with the abuse, Leticia developed dissociative identity disorder or multiple personality disorder as a coping mechanism. He said there was no motive for the murder, no reason. He said it's insane. There was a major psychotic crack. He claims the actions carried out by Letitia after the murder were carried out by a person with a broken mind. I love how <laughs> Letitia gets these lawyers or her, her lawyer or whatever, and they're probably just like, there's no way we can argue that you didn't do it. So <laughs> yeah. we're going to have to go with... I mean, insanity, obviously, but it's almost like it just reminded me of Casey Anthony when mm -hmm. they brought up yep. all that stuff from her past childhood stuff. And it's like, <sighs> I don't know, man. It reminds me of sports. It reminds me of politics. It's like strategy. They're like, okay, what's our, what can we do here? What yeah, can we do? it is. That's Let's exactly about it. it. They're playing chess. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah. So Cook claims we will hear from mental health professionals that will verify that Letitia was insane at the time of the murder. He concludes his opening statement by saying, I'm going to stop now because I'm running out of steam. Thank you. <laughs> Dude, don't admit it. <laughs> so weird. Just so he weird. can't even, after all of that dramatic shit, he can't even do a nice ending. Like, mm -hmm. no. <laughs> What the fuck, dude? In addition to a very cringy opening statement, he didn't even pronounce his client's name correctly. That's right. Yeah. And doesn't throughout most of the trial. He calls her Letitia Stouch. Yeah. Which I admit, in episode 35, I pronounced it Stock, I think. And then maybe Stout and Stouch. Yeah. But... You're her attorney, dude. But that's her attorney. And also... Like, I know the name now, but I'm getting all mixed up now. Now, I'm just going to talk about a few witnesses that I found interesting and some new information that we learned. One of the first people to be called to the stand was Al Stauk, which was Letitia's husband. His testimony was so heartbreaking. He talks about how he remembers holding his one-pound son when he was born, and similarly, his last moments with his son, he was holding a one-pound box of his remains oh after my God. he died. Oh, that's so horrible. No. Ugh. Wait, did they cremate him? Yeah, I would assume that's okay. what happened. So Letitia had told him about this candle situation through texts when he was traveling. And basically, Gannon had been grounded from his switch. And when Letitia had walked into the room... Apparently, she startled him because he wasn't supposed to be playing it. And that's when he knocked this candle onto the carpet on accident. Al said Letitia jumped on Gannon to put out the fire, but he had some minor blisters on his arm. But then she said another time that she heard the smoke alarm go off from her bed. Like, so the stories were all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I can't, it's so hard to focus on all the details because it changes so many times. I will say, though, that Al did confirm that Letitia did have a history of not telling the truth and being manipulative. 
In fact, in 2019, she had made two false burglar, two false burglar, <laughs> burglary. <laughs> she had made two false burglary. No way. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh. Oh. In fact, in 2019, she had made two false burglary. Way, I dude. can't say it. <laughs> burglary. Burglary. <laughs> okay. In 2019, she had made two false burglary. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> I don't know. Letitia made two false burglary reports. You don't want it to sound like that, do you? <laughs> Letitia made two false burglary. In fact, <laughs> can we even cut this at this point? Okay. In fact, in 2019, she had made two false burglary reports. Another time, she lied about being pregnant with twins. <laughs> I don't, I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> It was, the, it was, that was the best take. This is part of the story. added one. like a A on the Bur- end of burglary. 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 In fact, in 2019, she had made two false burglary reports. Mm. <laughs> Excellent. Another time. Well, first, can we stop? Two false burglary reports. That's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> I can't believe you dared to say the word again. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Did she not realize that's probably a crime? (laughs) And then she also lied about being pregnant with twins. She also had made sexual abuse allegations against one of Al's co-workers that actually got Al transferred from Alaska to Colorado, which she probably did that on purpose because she hated Alaska. Oh, my God. What the hell? Yeah. The majority of Al's testimony was a series of recorded phone calls with Letitia after Gannon's disappearance. So I have some clips I'm going to play, and I don't know if we'll keep all of it or if we'll even listen to all of it, but I just wanted to play them just so everyone can understand what Al was dealing with. So he was working with the FBI and recorded these conversations, and I have to say, I don't think I could do what he did. It always blows my mind when people work with the FBI and, like, covertly record things and do. Yeah, I guess I'll go ahead and kind of talk about his, how he worked with the FBI. Do you, are you familiar with, um, he's now retired, but the FBI agent Jonathan Grusing, goes Mm -hmm. by Johnny Grusing. He's now retired, but he was a special agent with FBI's Denver division for, like, 23 years. And he worked with violent crime matters and missing persons, serial killers, everything from homicides to mass attacks. And he served on the Behavioral Analysis Unit, or the BAU. But he basically was a criminal profiler. Mm. And he had worked on several very well-known cases, two of which we've talked about on the podcast Harold Henthorne. Oh. And he had testified in Barry Morphew's oh. trial. No shit. 
So he was so interesting. Anyway, so he was working with Al and he would listen to these conversations he'd have with Letitia and then go back and f- kind of figure out how he should be talking to her to get what he needed from the conversation. Oh. And he was like coaching him on how oh to be. God. How crazy. Yeah. So he Dude. was basically like Dude. giving him this psychological lesson. Yeah. And how to get what you want out of from somebody. Someone, like a sociopath. Yeah. Like that. So he had, I'll go into that later when he interrogates her, but basically he had worked with Al on these calls. So I'm going to just play a few. You told me to be safe. You on the phone. And I'm trying to sit here and tell my own husband every little detail, everything. You think I don't want my family? Teacher, listen, uh, like I said the whole time, I'm just trying trying to help you and trying to keep you and Harley safe from all, I mean, these people are after me now. I don't know who the hell it is, but I, like I said, I had to go get my clothes changed and everything just so I could blend in better. And I want you to know that no matter what, no matter, no matter what, we can work through this together and I can help you. Okay. But you just got to let me help you. But I have a very, you told me to be straight up. I got a very straight up question. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Did you kill Gannon? I need to know. I need you to answer me yes or no right now. I kill Gannon. The answer is no. I can't believe you asked me this. I just got to know you. I told me to be straight up. I got to know what's happening to my son. Tell me why you would think I killed Gannon. There's a a lot of unknowns. I mean, you being straight up again, you changed your story again to me for the fourth time. No, I changed my story. You did. This is the fourth version of the same story, okay? Wow. Like half of what you told me today, cut foot, and now he's got burned arms and picking it and his butt's bleeding. All this stuff is is new to what you told me the other day. And the other day you told me to cl- you cleaned up the area where you got nobody would see it. But now you told me you just changed clothes. I just don't know what the hell's going on. I didn't tell you. First off, you never even listened to me about anything that went on. I did. I, no, you stopped because I listened to you. I listened to you, and then I went and got the guns and put them in the truck, and then I came back and listened. Me and Landon listened to you, and then I stopped and picked your story apart. So get it straight, Tisha. I listened to you, and I said, if I'm wrong about the I will get on my knees and beg you for forgiveness. Did I not say that? Yeah, but you haven't. Exactly, because I haven't been proven wrong yet. I want the truth. If I'm wrong, if the, if, if the, the police, no matter what they're doing, the FBI, the CBI, the CBS, whoever, Okay, if they tell me I'm wrong, I will publicly, in front of the world, get on a camera and tell you I'm sorry. But until that happens, we're going to find the truth. How can you tell me that someone didn't come? I don't understand. How can you tell me that someone didn't do something to hurt me and take in? I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you it hasn't been proven one way or the other. You said you banged your head on the freaking table. I, now I got to tell them to go check out the table and see if there's any blood or, or any of your... Okay, but that's the first I heard of it. You see what you see what I'm saying? You never would talk to me. You literally just sat here in a conversation and asked me, did I kill our child? Yes, I did because I, I because if you say no, then I can't I I'll stop thinking that you did it. Okay? Dad, that's horrible. 
I don't know what to think. My my son's blood. You're telling me his blood's all over the walls, and now you're telling they telling me uh, the Mexican guy that had the gun to your head or whatever took him away, and he knows him, and he could be anywhere. So, so where did you get that piece from? That was where that. So now you got me twisting all your stories up because that was from the first time you told me the story. He had a gun to your head. And you told me it was your gun. You told me, but you first you told me it was your gun. So that's fine. I'm I'm not debating the points here. But. I said the black one. Okay, okay, fine. But I mean, you didn't know. I, yes, I, I absolutely believe that. I, but I'm doing everything I can to help you right now. And if you, if, but, but Tisha, listen, Tisha, listen. The thing is, if you don't, but it's not just. It, I asked you if you if you killed him. You said no, and I'm sorry. That was a hard question. But if you know anything, or you did anything, or are just upset about it, we can we can work together, and I can help you. But I can't help you if you don't tell me anything. It's just there's so many unknowns, Tisha. Oh my god. I mean was it what did anything happen that was an accident that you just that you're scared about? Really? I'm just trying to teach you, you know, you know with my army training, I'm trained to do to ask all these questions to get us in a safe place, right? And that's why I took the guns out from the get-go. That's just my training kicking in. Oh my god, I really thought like I I thought out of this conversation. Like, I really thought you were going to be supportive of me. I thought you were going to bring your family back together. And I thought that we were going to talk about everything, every single day of nothing but this. That's what I'm trying to do. Well, I'm glad you said no. That, that gives me a lot of hope and peace. Okay, 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 Tisha, let me ask you this way then. I don't believe you killed him, but did, did something bad happen to him and he maybe maybe he is dead or not with us anymore and, and you just panicked and didn't know what to do? I mean, is there anything like that? Just any information is what I need. I just, just I can, we can help you. I can help you get through this. But it's, I mean, but we got to know the information about Boba. I mean, just think of, I mean. Really, yes, I'm just trying to figure out what happened to him. He's gone and nobody knows anything, but you were the last one to hear him speak. Okay, you, which was Monday when you were driving around and he left the house. The last time we heard him speak, I, I don't know. I don't know when that was. Before I left, probably. When I left and he went downstairs to watch Pokemon. That's the last memory I have of him. Now, but let me tell you something. People don't have the life that I have. People don't just be a normal person. Just doing their thing. Finally had what they want to do and be in the sky working. Oh, they don't do that. People premeditate things in life. There's no sign or indications of anything that I would have ever heard of children. I thought 
just gives you a little taste. Yeah, I feel like I can hear, like, it sounds, it honestly sounds like a detective interview, like, that is, you know, you see recorded in the little room yeah. at the table. and Now that you, now that I told you that he was being coached, you could totally hear it. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. There were so many hours of conversations. It's so hard to pinpoint, like, the moments to show I just tried to find, I thought the question where he finally came out and asked, did you kill Gannon, was interesting. She Um, pops off. She pops off nonstop 24-7. So it's like, it's hard to even pinpoint what's extreme and what's not. Yeah. And it's hard to tell, too, because like if I had not killed, if I were her and I had not killed her, and then my husband says, did you kill Gannon. I'd probably be upset about that. At least a little bit. I'd be like, you don't, you really think that I killed him? Yeah. So, I mean, I get it, but she's just so, she's so all over the place all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I have another call. So the guy was in the house and you thought Gannon was hiding, so they, he hadn't taken Gannon yet at that point? No. Okay. All right. Well, that's huge. That's huge because now we can look at different camera time frames and all that, and we can look at different angles. Okay. That's huge that he was still in the house. And so that would have been police got there. What? Like, like that. I'm not taking it off. I'm not. No, I know. I'm trying to sort through this again. I'm trying to get you to this point to where, you know. I think I think they give it to you because this is big that he was there and they missed it because then they're gonna want to keep they're gonna want to cover their shit for not finding him. I can't hear you. What? You did what? You did what? Oh, you, you said you, you said what? What did you do? I tried to, like, point to the cops and, like, they checked this area. They checked this area. I wasn't even trying to show any other extra areas that I saw. I said, I didn't know if Gannon was with him, or I didn't know if Gannon was fighting. I didn't know at that point. Okay. But, but then, but then you figured out, how did you figure out he wasn't by himself? I'm not selling anything else to Target immunity. Well, you, I mean, well, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to put all this together. You said you, you, you pointed them in the direction, but wh- where in the storage room were you? I said I was just giving all the big areas of the house. I want you to tell me why you panicked. Why? Why did you panic when, when the accident happened? When Gannon did whatever he did, I mean, he, he made a mistake. Whatever happened, why did you panic? Panic, panic. After, after Gannon was hurt, after, after he hurt himself, after he had an accident, after he banged his head or something, why did you panic? Panic, panic. So, wait, well, you know what? So back to this Palmer 
I, I'm all over the place here. No, I'm trying to make it out to be where's my son, okay? If you were if you were in Palmer Lake and then Douglas County and whatever you did all these turns and turned around and this guy was out there laying in the road, he got in a truck, why do they have your GPS in your car? You were in my truck. My said, phone. No, but I thought you told me yesterday you left your phone at Petco because you had to go back to get it. Oh, that That's, was Gannon's phone. Gannon's phone was left at Code. You told me yes, Tisha. I'm not stupid now. Okay, listen. You know I'm better than that. You told me yesterday. You said it almost verbatim. Almost quoting you now. You said I set my phone on the counter. Okay, because I had these two or three doggy sweaters or whatever. Okay, and then no, you told me yesterday it was your God. She God. <laughs> yeah. So there were there were hours and hours of. Recorded footage like that, Her but blowing out the phone mic because she's yelling so yeah. loud. Yeah, but I wanted to play that because she keeps mentioning immunity. Yes, and over and over again. Yeah, and he's just like, "What are you talking about?" Like she claims that Gannon was still in the house at this point, like when the cops come to search, and she kept trying to like. She says that this predator or whatever, whether it's Aguardo or the other guy, I don't know. There's so many characters, it's hard to keep track. She said that they were in the house and they like completely missed it. And she want, wanted to use this as like something that where she could get immunity. I don't know. Yeah. Oh my God. There was another story she had told at one point where there was a woman that her and Al had planned to have a threesome with named Angel. And she saw her at Petco and she like held her at gunpoint and said, like, you're going to help us with this money laundering scheme that we're doing at this Mexican restaurant. And she like pulled up her shirt and she had a fake pregnant belly with money coming out of it. What? Yeah. Money coming out of it. So many stories. Oh my God. And then there was Quincy Jones or whatever. Yeah, Quincy Jones. There are so many. It's I don't think it, yeah, it's unreal. Something. So anyway, most of Al's testimony were those crazy, crazy, crazy undercover phone calls. Yeah. Another interesting testimony was from Letitia's brother, Dakota. Ooh. He testified that in late January of 2020, when Gannon was still considered a missing person, he traveled with their mother and aunt to Colorado Springs to help look for Gannon and to support Letitia. They felt like Letitia was being wrongly accused of something, and they were getting the impression that law enforcement thought they were involved in some way. And so they were trying to like make Letitia, I don't know, to cheer her up and like to support her in that. So Dakota and their family went to Letitia's to help gather some clothes and the dogs so that they could leave. And officers were there at the time and they searched all of the clothing before allowing Dakota and the others to take the items. So the Lowry family really felt like, oh, wow, they really think like Letitia did something. And obviously it turns out Letitia had lied to and manipulated her own family So after they had gathered all of the items, they went back to the hotel where they were staying at. Letitia was planning on leaving, 
And at that point, Dakota said that Letitia took the rented Nissan Altima and said that she was going to go pick up some dog food for the dogs. But she was gone longer than necessary for that. And it's believed that at this time she was picking up the suitcase that she had hid at the lake that had Gannon's body. Because when she returned, Dakota reports that she seemed normal, but she had brought back items with her that she didn't have before. And he didn't know exactly what they were. Mm. But on February 1st, Dakota was helping his sister rent a van from Budget, and all the siblings helped load the car with all of their items, and he had noticed a specific suitcase. And it stood out to him because it looked like she was really struggling to lift it. And he offered to help her, but she answered that she didn't need help. And when asked, Letitia claimed that it was softball equipment. Mm, so it would have been heavy. It turned out it was Gannon yeah. in the suitcase. Oh my God. And she was she she had gone and picked up the suitcase and right in front of her family, was loading it into the car. Unreal. So the next person I wanted to call out who was testifying was Letitia's daughter, Harley Hunt. And Harley was 17 years old when Gannon had disappeared. So Harley had kind of a hard childhood as well. Her mom had been married to a man named Chance who had died when she was young. And she had been told that her her father had died in an accident when in reality it had been some kind of overdose. And she didn't know that until like weeks before the trial. Oh her mom God. had kept this information from her. Um, so fucked up. I know. It makes you think like, mm. was it an accident or I don't know. You know what that reminds me of just now? My grandmother who when we were growing up, so... Her dad apparently had been killed. Well, she said when I was growing up that he had been killed in a car accident. And through her whole life, she believed this. And not until, I want to say it was earlier this year. And she's 95. She found out that he just left them and had a whole other life without her. And she just found this out at 95 years oh old. Oh my God. Isn't that uh, insane. <laughs> that is so sad yeah. and weird. Yeah. Her mom told her that he was killed in a car accident when he left them and just left it at that. How old was she when they. She was really young. I don't remember how old, but she was like a kid, kid. Like, Really young, because her mom remarried shortly after that and had her other siblings. Did you mention something about this? Like it was coming up with Ancestry.com things? or No, because I'm not actually related to her because my dad was adopted. Okay. Biologically related, I mean. So I'm not sure what it was. But isn't that it's so sad? Yeah, that's very sad. Yikes. Yeah. I, my grandmother didn't actually tell me this because I think she was like, Kind of fucked up by it. My mom ended up telling me that. So Wow. Yeah. And I didn't bring it up. I was like, I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> Oy. Jeez. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. So Harley ended up riding with her mom on this cross-country road trip 
with this suitcase in the back of the car. Yeah. Not knowing her 11-year-old stepbrother was in the suitcase. Did it not stink? So they asked her that. They were like, well, did you smell anything? And she said, by the way, this is the winter time, February. Okay. She said her mom had the AC on the entire time, even when she said she was cold. She just had the AC blasted. Damn. And she didn't smell anything. Wow. Um, They were like, didn't you ask your mom, like, where are we going? Why aren't we looking for Gannon? And she's like, I really didn't ask my mom a lot of questions. She said that if she asked her mom too many questions, her mom would say that she was being disrespectful and sometimes would backhand her. Oh, my God. So she also mentioned that her mom was saying that they were just going to drive and start a new life, and the destination had changed multiple times. At one point, they were going to Texas. Another point, they were going to this other place. She just remembers her mom kept saying, where do you want to live? Isn't that so fucked up for, like, a teenager? Oh, that's horrible. Like, and and she was probably thinking, well, do we have a house wherever we're supposed to? Like, what are we supposed to do when we get there? And Letitia had taken her phone and texted her job and, like, quit her job for her and all this are you weird serious? stuff. Yeah. Claiming it was her. Oh, that's so fucked up, dude. So Hunt was asked multiple questions about Gannon's body being found in the suitcase. And Hunt told prosecutors she was sleeping in a hotel room during the time she believes her mother dumped Gannon's body off the bridge in Florida. Mm. Which makes sense because where they stayed was close to that bridge. And Harley had mentioned that she's like a really hard sleeper. So her mom could have just like left in the middle of the night and dumped it and came back. Yeah. So Harley didn't face any charges related to the case. But at one point she was very worried she would be charged as an accessory since her mom, she was with her mom while she was transporting Gannon's body to Florida But she ended up flying out to Colorado to give a statement because it was the right thing to do. And that there was no guarantee she wouldn't be charged if she talked, but she just had to. Harley said she hasn't ever seen her mom change personalities and that she didn't see her mom not remember who she was or who Gannon was. That kind of comes up later. But at the end, they asked, do you still love your mom? And she just broke into tears. Oh, my God. That was so sad. Another case of a kid who didn't fucking realize their parent was a hard, a huge piece of shit. I had a really hard time getting that sentence out. <laughs> so the next witness I want to talk about is Johnny Grusing, which I pretty much talked about him already. But he's a retired FBI agent, and he worked on Letitia Stouck's case, worked a lot with Al in the recorded phone calls, and coached him on how to talk to a killer like Letitia. So he listened in and would re-listen to the calls and look for glimmers of truth, which he did find within her statements, which was really interesting. He would research things she said in order to better coach Al on how to get more information from her. When they ended up arresting Letitia, Grusing was there, and he was the one that ended up questioning her, and he questioned her for over five hours. As you can imagine, the conversation was just like, impossible to follow or listen to she just lies constantly Mm -hmm. oh my god i do not envy him at all because she probably made that the most difficult thing (laughs) it was like i literally think i would have been like i give up i don't care (laughs) whatever i don't care yeah you're Um, fucking insane just shut up and get out of my fucking face 
But during his interrogate, well, during his questioning, it wasn't even really an interrogation. He was like basically being a friend to her and like, I can work with you. I can help you. Yeah. That kind of stuff. But he mentioned other killers he'd profiled. And he was like, I know you're not like Harold Henthorne who pushed his wife off a cliff. Mm-hmm. I know you're not like this person. And he's like, I know if something happened, there was a reason or it was an accident. Like he was really, really good at like, knowing how to yeah. get information. Unfortunately, he didn't get very much, but he did get, like, threads of truth in all of her lies that he was able to follow. Mm-hmm. So when I was talking about the opening statements from the defense, they had mentioned they had a mental health expert who had said that Letitia was insane at the time of the murder. This woman's name was Dr. Dorothy Lewis, she is a psychiatrist specializing in the study of serial killers. She has worked with a lot of death row victims and is the co-author of Guilty by Reason of Insanity, a book she wrote with neurologist Jonathan Pincus. <laughs> <laughs> she was the defense psychiatric expert, and she claimed that Letitia was insane at the time of the murder. Let me try to explain this woman to you. She's in a wheelchair. She's probably like 90 years old. She, like, was the most unconventional witness. Like, she would talk back or she would, like, always ask for accommodations. Like, I can't quite see the screen. Can you move me over here? Oh, man. Like, it was crazy. She also didn't have the credentials to back up what she was saying about Letitia at all. She didn't really know anything about the case. She had interviewed her a few times. They had, like, a few hours of interviewing with her and Letitia. Why did they... This lady needs to be retired. Why? Yeah. Why? She said she is retired, but she, like, will do... Okay, it's time trials. to give up like, the dream. Yeah. Like, just stop. <laughs> it was really hard to follow her as well. Like, her and Letitia were two peas in a pod. They probably would love to just live their lives together, <laughs> pretending Letitia's crazy and yeah. Dr. Lewis is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> But she told the defense on direct that she concluded that Stouk suffers from dissociative identity disorder and was insane at the time she killed Gannon. Lewis's testimony vastly differs from the conclusion of an actual forensic psychologist who testified it the week prior and said that Stouk was sane at the time she allegedly killed Gannon and that she doesn't suffer from dissociative identity disorder. Lewis complained at several points during her testimony that she was unable to conduct an MRI or an EEG on Stouk, something she claims would have significantly supported her findings. So why are you here? Yeah. Giving your findings if you didn't even take the proper protocol. Oh my God. The prosecution also opted to play five different video clips of Lewis's interview with Stouk conducted over several days in November of 2022. So the videos show Stouk flipping between these alleged personalities while she's speaking with Lewis. And throughout the course of the entire trial, the prosecution asks every witness, have you ever heard of Maria Sanchez? Yeah. Have you ever heard of little Lucia? Have you ever heard of Taylor? Have you ever heard? Like there are so many. Okay. Little Lucia gets me every time. Oh, little Lucia. Was that actually a name of one? Oh mm-hmm. my God. So Letitia decided, decided to have dissociative identity disorder. Mm-hmm. And then this lady was like, oh, yeah, you totally have it. Yeah, because she was pretending to. 
God. Also, during trial, you can kind of tell that Letitia is trying to dress as different personalities. Because at one point, oh, she has these like two braids along the side of her face. What? And I'm wondering if that was like little Lucia or something. Little Lucia! But it's so crazy. So I don't know how much you were able to see on the video, but did she keep like hiding in the corner like she was the whole time? She did hide a lot. They eventually moved her from the corner, but then she had to be reprimanded because she kept flipping people off. Like the. Oh! Um, I saw something about that. Yeah. Yeah. She kept like being like, like <laughs> scratching her head with her middle finger. And um, a lot of the jurors were like really, I guess, distracted by that. So they like went to the judge and he had to like give her a talk. He's like, we will handcuff you to the chair and oh it's going to suck. God. Like stop. Wow. You have to be respectful <laughs> of the court. But yeah, she most of the time just like would put her like head in her hands or like cover her face with her hair. Yeah, I saw um, a lot of her covering her face with her hair. Yeah. She looked Ugh. like the girl from The Grudge. Yes, exactly, or The Ring. So, in some of these recorded interviews between Dr. Lewis and Letitia, Stouk can be heard discussing some of her alleged personalities with Lewis, saying that her personality, Jasmine, would sometimes take over and go on trips around the world to places like Dubai. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Let's be nice. In the third video clip, Stouk transforms into one of her personalities, which is the first evidence of her doing so, so far in the trial. Stouk in the video claims she is Taylor and informs Dr. Lewis that she can speak to the Maria personality. And Maria is the personality that Stouk claims killed Gannon. Okay. This is so... I'm sorry. It's so (laughs) annoying that... Yeah. How many dollars were wasted? Yes. In the fourth and fifth videos played to the jury, Stouk can be seen donning a foreign accent. Lewis testified she believed it was a Russian accent, stating (laughs) (laughs) she is Maria Sanchez. A Russian (laughs) accent, and she's Maria Sanchez. Yes. And Maria Sanchez says that she's the personality who had shot Gannon. And claimed she saw a man in a black cape, and that's why she shot him. She shot him because she saw a man in a black cape? Yeah, and I guess it triggered her. But Maria says, you don't understand. I had to protect the people in the home. From Gannon? Yeah, from the man in the black cape. Oh, so she thought Gannon, like, transformed into a man in a black cape or something? Dude, it's a lie. It's not real. I don't know. I don't understand. (laughs) Apparently, Maria came on. It's not even real, so I don't even know why. Oh, my God. But hilarious if she was, like, actually trying to do a Hispanic accent, but it sounded Russian. That's probably. She's so shit at accents. Yeah. Well, then after... Her saying this happened, she's like, and then I talked to, like, vampires, and she was, like, talking about Twilight. Oh, Christ God, just stop. But then she was like, I'm trained to kill. And she said that at least five times during the interview as Maria Sanchez. (laughs) I'm trained to kill. Okay. Sure you are, baby. Um, So in the fifth and final interview, Stouk, speaking as Maria, continues to take responsibility for Gannon's murder. And she insists that Stouk had nothing to do with Gannon's death and that Stouk had no knowledge of dumping Gannon's body in Florida. How convenient. Uh, Okay, sure. Um, Maria did deny ever stabbing Gannon. She only shot him. So. Where the fuck did the stab wounds come from, (laughs) bitch? 
So those were just some like notable witnesses. Like pretty much 75% of the trial was just like a bunch of bullshit from Letitia lying and just her yelling. Oh my god. And it's honestly so sick this little boy. I know. It this, this is a super super sad case and none of it had to happen. I mean what do you do with these people like Letitia that are just so off the rocker, but they like can still function in society, you know, mm-hmm. but they're really like batshit as hell. They know what they're doing. They just, I don't know. What do you do? You can't institutionalize them until she also was caught trying to get a fake polygraph test. Oh, Remember, I, like, I had yeah. mentioned that last time. Yes. But they actually had a recorded phone call with her calling the fake polygraph place because they denied to give her the results because if it has to do with anything like murder or like questions like that, they're like, no, we can't do that. I don't blame them for not touching that. So she calls and she's like, um, my results never came. They said they were like against the terms of conditions or something, but (laughs) I was just asking about like this affair thing. And they said that was okay. And then he was like reading the questions to her. Like, did you hurt this child and stuff like that? And she's like, what? It was so uh, stupid. She was God. literally trying to get fake polygraph results for like, if she were asked these questions. I don't even know how that would work. Like, like, oh, would you, do you say, oh, here's a transfer credit from <laughs> polygraph university. Ma'am, will you take polygraph tests for us? Uh, no, I've already done one. Here, I've already done one. It, um, here's the I result. heard they, they're transferable, so. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure they asked exactly the same questions that you guys would ask, so just take or it. Or was she thinking, like, she would take it and then, like, slip the paper into the <laughs> folder? I don't know. Dude, um, she is insane. I, I don't know. There's no telling what she was thinking. She's insane, but she's not the insane she wishes she was. She knew what she was doing, and, you know, right. I think her motive was she was just jealous of Landon. And I think she hated Gannon. Well, and remember, there was, like, all those Google searches that she, like, she was like, do I have to take care of these kids or while my husband's away? I don't know what they were, but she resented the fact that she was taking care of Al's children. Yeah. Or child. But there on on several of the calls between Al and Letitia when they were being recorded, she was just like, oh, well, you can just do whatever you want. You can fuck whatever bitches you want now. Like, he's like, I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm thinking about my son. Like, and she's still trying to be like, you're with, your wife's living with you right now. Because she'd stay, she was staying there with her husband. Oh. At the house, trying to look for their son. It's, and she's like. It's the mother of the child. I know. She's like. Shut up. So what did you guys do? Like, are you guys hooking up and stuff like that? Like, oh my God. Bitch. Bitch. That was. Oh my God, dude. PSA to boys, and I've heard it a million times, do not stick your dick in crazy ever. <laughs> Pay attention to red flags. Yeah. Oh, um, my God. So, yeah, there were also some more Google searches they revealed. One was, I hate my stepson. Oh, great. That's so nice. What? Um, I hate her so I hate you, Letitia. I feel like this was so disjointed, and I did a really bad job explaining this. I found out a lot of stuff I didn't know, so this is good. But I, I you, think... You it, did do a bad job pronouncing burglary. 
We cut that out, but you can actually probably leave it in. I don't think it was like a full five minutes. Burglary. 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 I want to end with what Judge Werner said at the end of the trial when he was sentencing her. Because what he said, he he was also a, just like an amazing judge, like the Murdoch judge. He was just. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I love that one. Yeah. A parent's worst nightmare is getting a phone call, letting them know that something has happened to their child. How much worse must that nightmare be when law enforcement asks not for a picture of your loved one, but rather DNA and dental records. I've also heard it said that one of the worst tragedies a parent can experience is to outlive a child. I have known people both professionally and personally who have gone through that. It never leaves them, but the sharpness of the pain does diminish to some extent over time. I cannot fathom the pain Mr. Stauk and Ms. Bullard have experienced as a result of the defendant's actions. A sentence in a criminal case such as this will not change the fact that their son's life was taken from them and no sentence I impose and nothing I say will ever change that fact. Ms. Stauk, you betrayed the person you loved enough to marry. You told your husband lies and took away someone he loved. You took away every day that Mr. Stauk or Ms. Bullard could have had with their son. When you take a life, regardless of how you do that, you forever alter the future. Neither Mr. Stauk nor Ms. Bullard will ever see their son graduate from high school, go through the joy and the pain of that first love or get married. They will never know what kind of impact their son may have had on the world if only he had lived to become an adult. And had Gannon's body not been found, they never would have known what happened to Gannon. They would always have had a lingering doubt about what happened to Gannon. And I cannot imagine the pain and sense of loss associated with that. You betrayed your stepson and you took his life. You took away everything he was and everything he could ever become. I can't imagine the terror and confusion that he must have felt in the last moments of his life when he knew his life was being taken by someone he trusted to protect it. Your attempt to raise the claim that you did this because of your adverse childhood is also a betrayal of people that have mental health issues. It is no secret that there is a large part of our population that has mental health issues. It's also no secret that our country and our health system could do a much better job addressing mental health issues than it does. However, the number of people with mental health issues who become violent is small. And the number who become murderers is smaller still. 
Your claim that a mental health issue caused the murder in this case is a disservice to all those who struggle with mental health issues every day. I have handled hundreds, if not thousands of criminal cases over the years. I think at this point in my career, I've presided over something like 200 jury trials. I've sentenced hundreds more defendants pursuant to plea agreements. This is not the first murder case that has come before me. This is not the first case I have presided over which involves harm to a child. This is not the first case I have had where a person who was in an unhappy marriage committed a crime. Sadly, statistically, there is a high correlation between violent acts, including uh, murders and family members. I have had a number of cases which have demonstrated one person's capacity for cruelty toward another human being. I can, however, say without hesitation that the facts in this case are the most horrific I have ever seen. Your conduct in this case deserves the maximum punishment that I can impose under Colorado law. As such, with respect to the charge of first-degree murder after deliberation, I remand you to the custody of the Colorado Department of Corrections for the remainder of your life with no possibility of parole. With respect to the charge of murder in the first degree of a child under 12 by a person in a position of trust, I remand you to the custody of Colorado Department of Corrections for the remainder of your life with no possibility of parole. With respect to the charge of tampering with a deceased human body, I'm also going to sentence you to 12 years, followed by a three-year period of parole. That sentence is to be consecutive to the life sentences that I've already imposed. With respect to tampering with physical evidence, I'm going to impose an 18-month sentence. That sentence is also consecutive uh, to the murder to the sentences for the murder charges that I have imposed. So there you have it. Two life sentences, 12 years and 18 months, all no parole, consecutive sentences. Just a bunch of bad moms out here doing yeah. bad mom shit. That's the theme of today's episode. Fucking horrible ass mothers. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, that was something. <laughs> it was something. We gave you some updates. We're back, y'all. We'll be back next time with a regular story, not just an update or a mini. It'll be a story episode. So, yeah, thanks for uh, your patience while we were away. Mm -hmm. But we will see you in a couple weeks. And, yeah, check us out on, we got a Facebook group on Facebook, Instagram, Rabbit Hole Happy Hour, what else do we have? <laughs> Leave us a review if you enjoyed. If not, refrain. <laughs> if you have a real problem with us, you can send us some feedback. If you send us an email at rabbitholehappyhour at gmail.com so we can hash it out instead of you just shitting on us publicly. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. See ya.